Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. My name is Chet Czar. Got a great episode for you today. My interview with Martin Darkside, who's a great artist who does really cool dark still lifes and all kinds of awesome stuff. But he's great. Really like his work a lot. And uh, we had a great conversation. Very free flowing and uh, conversational, just the way I like them. Um, so that's coming up. Uh, what's been going on? Got to the halfway point of shipping dystopia books. <clears throat> Thank God. So, um, yeah, 620 something, 25 books, I think I have to ship. And I have gone over to, I think we're right at halfway. Um, so that's kind of a milestone. And uh, that's been taking it most of my time. And I started uh, doodling tool, tool posters. So that's the rest of this week. Um, that's pretty much been it. Oh, I had a crazy thing happen the other day. Um, so now I, I go to sleep early. I've been on this early schedule and I started losing weight. My pants are falling down, so that's good. Um, been uh, walking every day and just being more healthy. And uh, so I, I go to sleep at like 8.30 or 9, sometimes even 8. And, um, and I get up at 5. And then I go and I walk my dog baby girl early like around six when it's just getting light and yesterday there was i heard my neighbor yelling outside and uh she was chasing these coyotes away and like coyotes are not that big of a deal around here you see them in the you know like if you're up really earlier in the middle of the night like three in the morning you'll see coyotes running running down the street and um but apparently I was talking to her She because she lets her cat out in the morning to walk around and uh, she was shooing these coyotes away. And I was talking to her. Apparently there's been, I think, three coyotes hanging around. So I waited a little longer um, just to, to let the coyotes get away or go away. Because usually you just kind of, you know, yell at them and they run away. It's not a big deal. But so I started walking down the street um, and there was this coyote in this person's yard, like a, like a block down. And I had brought a stick with me just in case, like a broom handle. And so I saw it and I started yelling at it and hitting my stick on the ground. And it just was staring at me, growling. It wasn't running away. And I kept kind of yelling at it. My dog was you know the hackles were going up in her back and then it kind of you know it it walked away from from this yard a little bit but it wouldn't run away it kind of walked a few steps and then it kept turning around and looking at us and um i kept walking towards it it'd walk a few steps away turn around look at us and finally i thought this thing is not running away like a normal coyote so i turned around we just went back up the street and then it started following us which is really freaky um, and 
you know, I kept turning around and like yelling at it and it just wasn't really going away. It kept kind of following us. And, uh, so I just went back inside and, um, and this morning I looked down the street and it's laying in the yard of the house that it was hanging out in. So I don't know what's going on. This is not normal coyote behavior. Kind of freaky. It's like coyotes are going crazy around here along with the rest of the world. Anyway, that was my exciting morning. I don't know what's going to happen with the coyotes. I just got to start carrying a stick with me and maybe some uh, pepper spray or something. I don't want to hurt the coyotes, but I don't want them to attack me or my dog. Cause maybe it's got rabies or something. That's why it's acting weird. I don't know. That was the excitement of my week. I don't think anything else really that exciting has happened anyway. Oh, uh, Oh yeah. Got to do new patrons. If there are any, if you want to join and support the podcast, it is patreon.com slash dark art society, which I need to go to right now. And, um, and uh, you get your name read on the air, you get in the Discord server, you get uh, on the Facebook group, and uh, you support the podcast, become part of the community. Big things will be happening. I can, uh, I'm trying to get my life together here this year. I really think I'm going to do it this year. I mean, I'm further ahead than I have ever been before. So that's good. Oh, I've also been feeding these crows, I'm trying to make friends with these crows. That's the other thing that's been going on. There's all these crows that live in the neighbor's yard, uh, tree next door. They're really cool. So they're starting to come near me. They come down on the ground when I feed them. Okay. New subscribers to the Patreon. Let's hear it. Sometimes there aren't any. Um, so maybe there isn't going to be any. I don't know. Okay. Let's see. Uh, no. <laughs> no, but a couple of people raised their ple pledges. So that's good. So thank you um, for raising your pledges, you guys. Um, yeah. Patreon.com slash Dark Art Society. Also, we've got our sponsor... I've got two sponsors, one being um, Dark uh, Beautiful Bazaar. Uh, what is their website? I don't technically have to give them one today, I don't think. I have these dates scheduled out. This is all kind of new to me. They wanted certain dates. Um, uh, let's see. See? I shouldn't be doing this. I'm telling you, I'm the worst. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not, I I'm not supposed to do it yet, but I just, um, it's the beautiful, bizarre art, art prize is the uh, thing they're promoting, which is a cool, you could search beautiful, bizarre art prize, but um, Skull Shop is our other sponsor. So um, Skull, S-K-U-L-L-S-H-O-P-P-E. Maker of... Awesome skulls. Like this. They look totally real. I use them for all my reference. And they're amazing. So um 
skullshop.com skullshop.com s-h-o-p-p-e and uh if you join at the patreon at the five dollar level at the end of every month they will draw names of the five dollar and up people on the patreon and you'll one of them will win a free skull so anyway check them out i've been recommending their skulls for years they're the best uh i think that's all okay that's i think that's it okay so let's get on with the interview with martin Darkside. hope you enjoy it here we go Hey, Martin. Hey, Chip. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing very good. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. No, it's my pleasure. It's um, I honestly didn't think I'd be coming on to the, uh, doing the, this podcast for another year or so in my career, but here <laughs> I am. <laughs> Your stuff's great. I mean, I've been watching you, you for a long time on Facebook and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I love what you do. You do these really cool, creepy still lives. You, d- you did the... You did a still life of some eyeballs in a jar, right? Yes, that's what I've just, <laughs> I've just been doing that. That's uh, one of the pieces for my uh, the show that's coming up. It's uh, part of the Frankenstein piece. Uh, oh, excellent. I love that. Uh, <laughs> that was really great. Um, I've actually kept the um, the eyes in the jar and I've put it on my little curiosity cabinet thing. That's the end. They just oh, sort cool. of sat there staring at me now because I look so cool in the jar. I was like, okay, I'm going to keep that. I'm not going to throw that jar away and you know, that's so wash cool. the eyes. What'd you get? What did you use for eyeballs? I made them. Oh, um, you made them? Yeah, it's simple. Uh, uh, super sculpey, like aluminium foil insert inside, and then I just painted them up, just oil painted it. Oh, cool. And then, um, yeah, a bit of um, red wool to create the veins and the, <laughs> the nervous system. That stuff works then, great. Yeah, and then I wanted to get that shine that you get on the eyes, so I just used clear nail varnish. Oh, there you go. That- slaps that on and yeah it works great <laughs> that's great nothing beats quick and dirty that's all i wanted as long as they look good in the jar they don't need to look realistic yeah you know, just look good in the photographs and the painting that's all i needed to do yeah right i remember there was that there was a uh like a i don't know a viral post going around years ago where you you take like a what do they do i think they take a photo now I'm totally blanking out. They like take a photo of someone's head and print it out and then put it in a oh, jar. And put it in the jar. Yeah, I was actually going to do that. But <laughs> get a jar big enough. Yeah, they, it, it looks like, so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I was actually going to do that. Uh, <laughs> it was either do that or get like a Halloween mask, sort of human right. face Halloween mask, and put that inside the jar. Hey, but I just couldn't get. I couldn't get a jar big enough to do it. You might not be old enough, but or it might have, it might not have even been a thing in the UK. But do you, that Alfred Hitchcock presents that TV show that was like old black and white pre yeah, we, pre Twilight we, Zone. Yeah, it, it was on, but it was always um, like really late at night, and it was on. I believe it was on Channel Four um, back in sort of the late eighties, early nineties, oh, okay. and it was one of those programs that was on really late at night. When just random shows that were put on that they could have put on through the day at normal times, they just put these weird shows on at night. Yeah, it kind of makes it cooler in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. There's one episode. I don't remember anything about the episode except for this. There's a head in a jar, 
and it is the creepiest thing. It's like, it's really, you have to search it out. Like I'm going to go search it out after this. Now that I thought about it, because it's just so creepy. The hairs all flow. It just, it's, it probably looks really bad, but I remember it looking super creepy. Like it's distorted and the eyes sticking out and the, ha- the yeah. hair is all weird. <laughs> no, I, de- I definitely want to do stuff like that for that piece, but I just, um, it was one of those things where I was running out of time. I only have so much space on the, on the canvas or the panel. It was only a 10 by eight painting that I was doing. Oh, okay. So when you try to fit all those objects into a 10 by eight thing everything starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller so when yeah. you're putting those bigger objects in everything gets smaller right um, right well yeah it was one of those things i had to check off the list right take that out because i wanted the the, the the initial idea of the piece was going to be a really big extravagant you know yeah 20 inch by 22 inch by 18 inch or something like crazy big and you got all these things in and it got smaller and smaller and smaller <laughs> like, okay, this is what i've got to make the decision now yeah yeah the limitations of time and stuff like that so okay tell us tell us about yourself tell us your story what's your life story how did you get oh, to where you are today how did you get um, into dark art oh, where were you born well, all that where stuff. was i born? where was i born well i i i ran in yorkshire hmm. uh, in the uk so it's sort of the middle of the uk um, in a town called bradford uh, lived here pretty much all my life other than when i went to university um, back in the early 2000s what's it uh, like there uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's some nice parts and then there's the rest of it <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> yeah there's a lot of, it's, it's weird you've got the main sort of city center in the town that i live in and then as you get further out from it you've got all these kind of like housing estates and then in between those is like parks and woodlands and stuff. And then it's just kind of, uh, it's, it's not great. It's, it's not honestly, great. In, in what way it's though? Not great. Um, Cause you know, we, we, in America, we have these, we have this vision of, you know, you hear Yorkshire and you just think of, Oh, it's gotta be like really cool. Uh, it is when you got, when you, when you get out of the cities and, um, and there's all the little towns and villages and things like that. It's great out there. And there's all the countryside and the mountains and everything. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Right. Once, you, once you get out, out, out of this, like, you know, the main cities, it's really nice. We've got some beautiful towns and little villages and stuff. Um, but if you're in, in like the cities and stuff like that, yeah, it's not great. It's yeah. really not great. They, they tried the front the lean and try to make it look pretty and nice. And it, it doesn't, you know, there's only so much glitter you can put, throw on a turd. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay so anywhere anyway that's so, where, that's where yeah. you're from continue so that's where i'm from um background um always been into artwork always been to art i was always drawing as a kid um that's pretty much all i did uh, my concentration level in school was if i'm not drawing or doodling something then there was no concentration you know all the other do, subjects do, do, I, i'm sorry to interrupt but do you do you do you have add or do you think you might no, have No, it? no, I, no. It, basically, later on uh, in life, it was uh, kind of diagnosed with dyslexia. Oh, dyslexia. Wow. I, all yeah. these things are very related, though, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know a lot of artists who have got it. And it, it well, back then, in sort of like the 80s and 90s, it wasn't a thing. Right. I know. I know. It wasn't That's... a thing. It was like you were you were the stupid kid. Right, right. And yeah, that, that yeah, it. yeah. I mean, I've, I've 
I'm pretty, I want to get, di- go and, and get diagnosed because I'm pretty sure I have it. Um, be, but man, I, I, I used to try so hard in school and I would, yeah. I would couldn't get, I would always yep. get like C's and D's and the occasional B in like English. And then I would do get A's in art all the time. Mm-hmm. But, um, but man, I so, could not, I was trying as hard as I could and I couldn't get above yeah, that. It was, and it, then, it was the same. Exactly the same. No matter uh, how hard I tried, it was always anything like writing and reading and stuff like that. I loved doing it, mm-hmm. but it, it, it just wouldn't it wouldn't sit right. And right. It was a real struggle, but it art is A's, B's, A's, B's constantly all the way through school, all, right. the, way up, all the way through higher education, everything. Um, yeah, but it wasn't until I got diagnosed with dyslexia and it was like, okay, the rest of it now makes sense. Did it help to get a diagnosis? Just it to did. just to know, it, just to know that you weren't a dummy. That's kind of <laughs> that's yeah. kind of like how I feel. Like at least if <laughs> yeah. I get if I get a diagnosis, I could I can tell my wife. See, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> well, there's, yeah, there's, there's always that, uh, but there's always w- ways of working around it. Though I have I've always yeah. had friends and stuff who who have helped me get through certain things. So if I need help with like writing or reading and stuff like, that, I, can, I can write, I can read, I can do do it. Right, right. But it's not comfortable for me to do. Right. Uh, there's points where I do struggle with it, like getting getting words out onto the page. And then when I do get it onto the page, sometimes it makes absolutely no sense. Wow. Do you do the uh, flipping, the where the words flipping around? Yeah, well, I, I do. Like that? Certain words are um, simple word like the. So T-H-E. When I write it down and it does it every single time, no matter how hard I stop, try stopping doing it, it's T E H. Oh, wow. Every single time. What a trip. And it's like certain words like that, um, I do it. And But one way I've got around it is writing everything in capital letters. Interesting. So it, st- so it stands out more. Right. So pretty much when I write ev- anything now, I write it all in capitals. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah that, that's the that's the you know i'll uh i'll stop after but the um, that's it's sort of like you know i i kind of want to see if i do have add because it's more for me it's like a lot of this kind of brain fog and and it's like once in a while my mind will just stop and i can't like it's like i don't know what the fuck i was just thinking or i'll read a page a million times and not get the information it's yeah. really hard for me to concentrate on things that I'm not interested in and um and I probably wouldn't get medicated for it unless you know I might try it but um just yeah, to know just to I know you've got, you, I think you, you've got this long in your life with it Ex- yeah it's like I'm so it. old this, at this, this point and and it's like <laughs> I, I've, I've managed I've managed I, I've obviously got workarounds so yeah but and anyway so so I'm sorry so I'm just curious so so go on. I don't know where you were though. I had no idea. That was an ADD <laughs> thing. That was an ADD. That people. was an ADD moment going down a rabbit hole and you come out the other end. You have no idea where you are. Um, yeah. So that was pretty much it. I went all the way up to university in college and stuff. Um, did my degrees in art, um, which went nowhere. After, oh, you got degrees though. I've That's got cool. degrees. Yeah. It doesn't do anything in the UK. I know, but it's still pretty cool. It, it's, uh, yeah. Um, so you're classically trained then. Technically, I mean, to, to, in certain aspects, yeah. Um, I was trained, but the, at the time, I was very arrogant with my artwork. I thought I knew everything. Right, yeah. And so that's I, so common for young artists, I think. Yeah, and it took me a while to sort of realize 
You don't know I'm anything. Not, <laughs> I don't know anything, especially about oil painting, because right. oil painting was, I, I tried it when I was in college. I didn't get on with my tutor. Um, we had some little, you know, headbutting going on. Um, and it put me off. It put me off working with oils. Hmm. And I think it was just the way he was teaching me. But I think it was, it was, he was right how he was teaching me, but I, because I was so arrogant. Yeah, I just didn't I, see it. I didn't see it until many, many years later. Yeah. Easily a decade later, I was like, "Okay, now, now I understand. <laughs> now, now I get what he was doing." Um, yeah, I did the same thing with my my high school art teacher. She kept, uh, I kept wanting to mix black and to darken all my colors, and she'd be like, "No, you mix your primary colors in to gray them out and darken them." And I just would not fucking do it because I was because yeah. I knew better than her. Yeah, <laughs> it's like so yeah. stupid. <laughs> And like all the all the best artists I know, like the really good artists, all of them, I don't know any that that just like are like I'm the shit. You know, they all think like I don't know, I don't know shit. You know, every every my that's my mentality on every single piece that I do. Even though I've been doing it for so long, it's like I'm constantly learning. It's like right, I don't do this. Now I've got Google. Now I've got YouTube. Research the crap out of it. Yep. Understand what I'm doing. And then, and then experiment. Right, I'll just right. jump straight into a piece. Just uh, normally with me, it's like oh, I, <laughs> I, I can see, I know what he did there, and I'll jump in and go, "No, I didn't." Yeah. <laughs> oh, Your stuff yeah. is very like well composed and stuff, though. So I can't imagine it'd be easy to just jump in. It's like you seems like you do a lot, lot of. There's a lot of planning. A lot of yeah, a lot of planning. A lot of planning, um, especially with the work I'm doing now, uh, which was a big shift. Up until what two years ago, before before I was doing the work I'm doing now and still life stuff, I was doing a lot of figurative work, a lot of kind of monster and characters and portrait, weird portraits and stuff like that. Um, what was the change? What caused the change? The change was I was doing a show with Shane Isakowski hmm. and um, and the pandemic hit and it just turned everything on its head and we'd done all this work and the show was getting cancelled and moved around and then we couldn't fly. I couldn't fly to come over and the show got moved and it, kept getting, and it just got disheartening the more I got into the work. Mm. And I, I wasn't enjoying doing the work. It was got it got to a point where it was just a task. Just like, I've got this many pieces to do, like get this piece done, onto the next one, get the piece, this piece. And I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I was like, I've got to do something that I enjoy. I really love painting. I love art, but I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And I'd played around with a few still lives at that point. And then I stupidly jumped into one of the biggest paintings I've ever done for still life. <laughs> I think it was like two foot by three foot. And it was so complex. And there were so many elements and things in it that I'd never even painted before. And colours I've never worked with. And I set myself a chance of, right, this is what I'm going to do. So I spent like, I think about four months, three, four wow. months on this painting. Um, and then once that, I was like, I, I need to keep doing this. This oh, cool. is what I want. This wow. is, I, and it was everything from the process of finding all the little pieces and mm-hmm. all the little oddities and, you know, mm-hmm. all the props and then photographing it, playing with the lighting and yep. stuff. Um, even though then the lighting wasn't as, as complex as how I do it now. Um, but I loved everything about it. So going from that point on, I was just, I get excited now. When I get right. an idea for a piece, it's like, okay, now the hunt starts. 
you know, sort of, I don't have the props, I don't have the skulls or the candles that I need or whatever I'm going to put in it. It's like, right, can I make it? Can I buy it? Can I afford to buy it? Most right. Often, or most often, if I can't afford to buy it, it's like, can I make this? Right. And then look into the process of making, like, like the eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, that, so, that's... But, so it's just an, an enjoyment now. It, it sparks a new life in my artwork. And I just want to keep going with it, see where it goes. And just, just, we still like so many possibilities with it that you can do. Oh, yeah. I could totally see going that way I, I could totally get into that i just oh, I think, like I, yeah i think you could i, think, I, I just I think we could do it yeah it's i i mean i see the appeal like of setting things up it's very like i mean if you see my studio it's kind of just a mess but i've always just had all, mine. yeah I've mine, always mine, had all, on, on this side of you can't see it but that is exactly the same yeah <laughs> it's like i've always you know on my shelves and stuff set things up just little figures and weird yeah. monsters and stuff. And it's like, I could totally see uh, the, the appeal of that would be really cool to see something like that. You know, all the little like casts and stuff and the bus that you've made. Yeah, it would be all cool. Together yeah. And yeah. Just doing it like still life. Um, but I think that'd be a really cool little thing to be. Yeah, do. that would be, that would be fun. Um, yeah. So, so uh, uh, what, so your, your accent is from your, that is, uh, is it like a common it's like a yorkshire accent it's a yorkshire accent for the, for the the section of the part of yorkshire where i'm from that's where the, there's many in in yorkshire alone there's kind of four four regional mm -hmm. accents in yorkshire um, so you've got north south west east um, and then you've got like variations in those from town to town city to right. city and they, they all change slightly. I know um, it's such a trip because I, it wasn't until I, you know, I, I, I traveled to the UK that I started noticing because it's like when you grow up in, in America, it's like there's an there is an English accent. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, English accents, London, yeah, or yeah, Queen's English, yeah, exactly. Oh, that, that's they're the two accents. They might know like well, I say Scotland or Ireland, but they, right. you know, they're in the part of the UK. They're completely different, separate countries. But everyone thinks, especially in America, yeah, uh, yeah. everyone from the UK sounds the same. They have a sound like Harry Potter right, or the Queen. And right. it's really not. That's a small type part of the country, <laughs> a tiny little part of the country that sounds like that. Yeah, it's so funny. And I, I, once I went, I think it was once I went over there, I started noticing all the different accents. And it's so interesting because it's like they all sound actually very different. Now, Very when you get in, when yeah. you get an ear for it, it's like, man, they don't sound it. How was I getting these confused? It's like, they sound so different. Like you can yeah. tell if you know it, if you know them, you can kind of, you know, tell people that are uh, from Wales and you could tell people that are from London and you could tell people that are like more from the city and people that are more from the country. It's just like, you know, it's exactly like that in America too. So it doesn't, it totally makes sense. It's just one of those things you don't really think about until you, encounter it i guess you know yeah and like with like with the uk being so small as well you've got all these regions and accents in such a small space right you know, i think it's like i think the size of what the uk i think it's about the size of what florida oh really bigger than florida so you've that's got all crazy. that squeezed into that yeah. small space yeah jam-packed jam-packed and um yeah it's 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 an interesting country to be in at the moment anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere is pretty interesting. These days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so how did you uh, how did you get into the dark stuff? Was this something you were I've always, always into? Yeah, I've always been really? into the dark stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's always it's always been. I've always loved like horror films from a very young age. Um, Was yeah, your family loved... okay with that, or did they? Uh, anyone... Yeah, yeah, oh, that... pretty much. It was. It wasn't a really big thing, you know. I think I got to a point and I was watching stuff, and it was like, okay, he's not completely freaked out by this. <laughs> um, and then I just started watching stuff and I've always watched it. Um, but actually painting horror things or drawing horror things didn't come until a little bit later on, probably until in, into my 20s, uh, mid to late 20s. Before that, I was doing like a lot of fantasy kind of art. Mm. Um, so a lot of dragons and stuff. And um, I love doing that. But again, I got burnt out from doing that. The ideas just became repetitive. Right. Even though you could do so many crazy things, I couldn't... I just got that brain fog and I couldn't go forward with it. Uh, right. So I started doing kind of like zombie portrait, pin up stuff, and which was cool. It was fun to do. Uh, I got a nice bit of work from doing that, but that was very early on in, in well, as you I classified my career as art when I started making a little bit of money from it. Mm-hmm. And I did that for, I don't know, maybe eight, nine years, maybe I was doing that sort of work for. Hmm. Um, and then that progressed into doing more kind of gothic horror sort of work and kind of creaturey stuff. And then, um, like I said, I got burnt out from doing that. I needed to make a change and I completely went 360 and, and, and I started doing still life work, <laughs> but still <laughs> I, keeping it dark and you yeah, know, yeah. dark element sort of thing. Yeah, I love it. I think it's uh, that that's when you have that feeling about your work, that's how you know you're doing the work you're supposed to be doing. Like every yeah. artist should have that feeling, like be getting excited about what they're working on. If, if you're not excited about it, then you're probably not fulfilling your artistic purpose or something, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, I've, like I said, I've gone through points like that throughout my art career. Um, and But I've, I've never got as, uh, I've never got the feeling or as excited about the work as what I am now. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's just an age thing, um, an educational thing of like all the knowledge that I've been kind of taking in and like researching and all the new stuff. I've known about still life work, right? But it, <clears throat> it never in- interests me. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if it's just an age thing or just growing up with in, in the art thing and and moving forward and understanding uh, what you can actually do with it um, to tell the stories or right. you know. Like the, the new series I've just worked on for my new show, it's all about stories that I've read or I've seen films or so it's it's something it's all about classic gothic horror. So it's oh, still cool. facing what I want to do and what I'm interested in. So so what's the yeah. what what's the show? Because I mean I, I, we, we wanted to get you on to help promote the show and promote the show. And uh, I mean you're stuff's awesome i was planning on having you on anyway but it just seemed like a good time since you have a show in the united states coming up so that's cool. yeah so um, i fly out next week uh a week today actually damn that uh, soon i didn't realize it. yeah wow. yeah yeah um i've got a show at uh, dan kelly's um gallery um skull and snake and my show is called the night library oh i like it so it's kind of all based on i basically picked out five kind of classic gothic horror stories mainly sort of 19th century 18th and 19th century stories so you've got um dracula mary shelley's frankenstein 
Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde. Um, I, the other ones. <laughs> I, I forget the other ones. Um, Dor- Dorian Gray. Oh, cool. Um, and I think there's another one in there. I, my, my, honestly, my brain is so burnt out. I bet. It's been working, you know. So, it's, it's, such a think. cool idea, though. I love that idea. It's great. Yeah, Yeah, because I, I, you get most people who do stuff like those stories, they're doing character studies. Oh, they're doing right, their version right. of those characters to try to tell, show that kind of character and story in a still life. It's, um, it was a cha- It was a challenge. It yeah. Was a real, really good yeah. challenge. Yeah, I could see that. Um, it's a lot more subtle. Like you have to really... Picking, just picking out certain elements. Yeah. That when someone looks at, hopefully someone looks at it and go, and that's the title of the piece, and go, oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah. That's, you know, Dracula, and I can see that's Frankenstein. Right, right, right. Know? Yeah, yeah. Once you said that with the the eyeballs in the jar, I was like, oh yeah, obviously, you know, totally. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool though, because that's like a little, you know, it's like you can put most you know or a lot of still lives or maybe it's because i'm not i i'm not um aware of the stories behind them but traditional still traditional still lives that that you see are like some oranges and a vase yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know it's like i don't think you know unless i'm missing something i don't think there's like a story there maybe there most is of them are, m- m- most of them that i've researched there's not really a great deal of stories there are they're, they're very traditional like i said there's fruit mm-hmm. there's flowers uh i kind of take my uh, style of work from the venitas the dutch venitas yeah, century yeah. stuff so you've got like skulls and it's all about life and death right and, um so that's kind of the, the side of sort of a little bit darker side of still life where I kind of take my style from. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's cool so though. It's, like, it's a cool idea. Like you're um, playing with that idea in a way that's different, you know, telling a story mm. with it. I think that's cool. Yeah. I've got other ideas that I'm working on, other stories that I'm going to try to tap into at some point. Um, I mean, you could do it for anything. You could do yeah, it for do any, it. anything. You could do a still life about it if you think about it, like yeah. a band that you like, or you could, you a get. movie, or something that happened to you, or you know, it's really interesting to think about it like that. You know, yeah, you, you, you can do. <clears throat> the hardest thing about the, especially the way I do, because I find it's finding all the props, right, to make to make sense um, for the story or whatever you try to what you're trying to say. So. That's that's probably the hardest thing, and that sometimes that can take a couple of weeks just doing finding the props. And, that's that's uh, got to be kind of fun though, too, right? Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, because I do like going out and well, not really being able to go out and find. I've just been the internet searching for stuff um, since we, you know, not being able to go out and a lot of places being closed. And right. Where I where I live, there's not exactly. A place we can go to and find eyeballs in a jar, or um, <laughs> and stuff and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, so a lot of the things it's it's, it's I've had a, a couple of good friends who have helped me out. Um, one really cool friend who does three D printing. Um, uh, Joe Graziano. I'll mention his name again because he's without his help, I wouldn't have been able to do a couple of these pieces. Oh, cool! And he three D printed me some really really cool skulls oh no way really um, like animal skulls well uh, yeah they're animal skulls but they're a lot bigger than what they are in real life 
Oh, cool. I'll show you this one. So when you do the video thing, this will come out for people. They'll see it. So he did this 3D printed. That's a 3D bat. print? It's a 3D print from an MRI scan. That's insane, man. That looks totally uh, real. Well, I, I painted it all up. It was bright pink when he sent me. Oh, okay. This is like a, a vampire bat skull. Uh, oh, that which, is so cool. And it's not, we didn't have the bottom, the mandible jaw part, which is even gnarlier than the top part. But, that is so um, cool. Like, <laughs> this, you know, like a vampire bat, is only, the skull's only maybe an inch. Right. <laughs> and then we were discussing this. is like, well, how, how big and crazy do you want to go to? And it was like, well, let's kind of get it sort of human skull sort of size. So then it kind of fits in with the Dracula, the whole Dracula and bat sort of story. We went up to pretty much the whole back end of the skull is the same as a human skull that's so um, cool size. man and it's it's now it's one of, it's one of the coolest things i've ever seen <laughs> it really is i've never and i don't i don't know that that exists anywhere else a human-sized um, vampire bat skull that i've ever seen and there is a company who do, does it but they only do it till maybe seven or eight inches okay still um, though not a human and it's like a, it, not a human size one <laughs> Um, and he also printed me out like a like a European grey wolf skull. Oh wow! So they're no, they're normally like maybe seven, eight inches, maybe nine inches at the max. And he printed me one out, and it's like 15, 16 inches wow. long, and it's a big, huge, gnarly thing. So that was kind of like for my oh, it was the wolf man. That was the other side. Okay, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> So he printed me out for that. So that's the element that I use to depict like kind of the werewolf, wolfman sort of tail. Um, so Man. without his help, yeah, it was, he's such a cool guy and what he can do, as long as you get the files, you print anything. Yeah, that's so it's cool. So cool. You, uh, I, I think, um, hopefully you're taking photos of all these because all of these would make really good. I imagine them, you could sell prints well of these from like and that's what's cool about it too is like yeah. <clears throat> you you can sell prints and not, there's no copyright issue <laughs> you know what i mean because well, you're not doing a frankenstein portrait from the movie it's like you're doing you know it's like um, yeah, but my interpretation of, of yeah and people too. but yeah. frankenstein fans will be into it you know yeah. or, or oh, well, wolfman fans or whatever hopefully yeah I, I, I have been thinking well, I've, I've been thinking about it i've had a lot of people saying you need to sell your photographs because your photographs are, oh yeah yourself yeah. uh nfts on its, and it's NFT. <laughs> <laughs> this is a perfect example but it is i, I, I I've, I've not stepped into the world of NFTs yet. A lot, a lot of my friends. I knew are, it was going to come up. They're all. There. It always um, comes up now. It always comes up. <laughs> um, I think it's a cool. Th I think it is a really cool thing. It's um, it's a, it's an amazing. It, it, it's a I, lot of things. Yeah, yeah, I know. New new stuff to learn. And I'm like, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. There's a there, and, yeah. There's a steep learning curve, but just the the idea of using your if you know your reference, it's perfect because. Obviously, you're taking photos with a digital camera and NFTs are kind of like made for natively for digital art. So it's mm. like it's what you're doing is made for NFTs. Your reference yeah, photo is made to be made into NFTs and it's like kind of perfect. It's almost like another way to monetize and to share your, your work in a totally different. It's cool, man. <clears throat> yeah, so it's, it's something I thought about looking into, but while I've been kind of just doing getting doing stuff for this show and getting ready for that 
I just didn't want to take any more. Oh yeah. No, no. You, you, you gotta be kind of focused. It's such yeah. a crazy weird learning curve and you have to really get involved in the community on Twitter and all that stuff to, to, before you even start. But, but oh, yeah. after the show, something to think about, man, I'm it telling is, you. It's definitely, it's definitely something to think <laughs> about. Um, yeah. A lot it's of just, people, a lot, a lot of that I still, I'm friends with at the moment. They, they talk about it a lot. And when they start going down the deep rabbit hole and talking, it was like, I'm, I'm completely lost. I, oh, I know. I know. And I'll pick up little bits and then it's like, uh, 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 and it's all these different, you know, sites. And yeah. like, oh, I, have no, I have no idea. <laughs> just, give me, just give me, just give me some oil paints. And I know. I've, a been, panel. I've been there. I've been there. But you've it's been doing a, really well on the NFTs. From what yeah, I've seen. yeah. 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 It's like, cool. I, I'm feeling that way about the, um, the stuff I'm animating that you're feeling about the, the, these paintings, these still lives. Like I'm so excited about animating existing paintings that it's just like, it feels, it's just so much fun. I just wish I could work on them all the time. Um, but, but that's the thing. It's like, uh, you know, you have this byproduct of your process and, and people are saying, Oh, you should, sell your photographs it's like no you should make them into nfts because it's just it's perfect it's perfect for that but um and it's not as much as people say it's all about the money it's not just about the money it's like the money affords you to do something really cool on the blockchain this thing that's happening right now mm. you know what i mean it just it just so happens to pay well if you kind of do it right which is well, great think, yeah, it's not a bad it's, thing <laughs> it's not it's, it's, if something's going to make a little bit of extra money it's definitely not a bad thing because it, yeah selling artwork oh um, man it's not it's not always easy um i've heard and, <laughs> yeah it's, it's not it's not always easy and um yeah it's like i i want to do like i'm saying i want to do kind of bigger more elaborate paintings but mm -hmm. it's hard to sell big pieces of work. I know, I know. So I'm having to work pretty small on some of the pieces. So like six by four, seven by five, and going up to like say 10 by eight, um, which is completely new for me going that small uh, with my works. I'm used to working like 26, 20 by 16 or- Plus or shipping. Bigger. If you're and going to ship costs, to the United States, man, forget about much it. All my work goes to the, all to the States. Oh, really? It's very rare I sell anything in the UK or Europe. Yeah, what is up with that? You'd think it's, that Europe would be the best place for dark art, and it's not it's, at all. It's not. No. It's so weird. It it's makes no really sense not. to me. I'd say in the last uh, five, six years, I'd say 98% of my work has gone to the States. Wow. Um, Crazy. And then, obviously, and then obviously COVID hit, and then nothing was selling in that right. time period, um, which was pretty rough. Yeah, uh, but I just I just threw myself into the work. I didn't think about not making the money and stop worrying about numbers on social media and stuff like that. Yeah. So just do the work, put it out there. If someone's going to buy it, they're going to buy it. Just keep doing the work. Right. You know, don't don't get distracted by all the other stuff. Just keep going forward. And um, it's kind of the mentality that I've been keeping, and it's it's been doing um, good things. I think I think my work has definitely got it's improved. So I keep <laughs> being told. Um, from when I started doing still lives to what I'm doing now, it's oh yeah, jumped forward over like absolutely years, yeah. I've so. seen I've seen it. I've noticed. Yeah, it's <laughs> like no, it's like you seriously leveled Which is up. Still a shocker that um, like you like you say that you've been watching my work and stuff. It's kind of like yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I must I must be doing something right. At some point. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, definitely, man. I pay attention. Yeah. I, I, I'm always watching stuff I think is, is cool or, you know, there's people doing good work. Um, yeah. So how long have you been, like, how long have you been painting professionally, I guess, or have you been painting yeah. since you got out of, out of uh, college? Yeah. I never stopped painting. Okay. Um, and like I said, I, I was, in, I was selling a few bits of work here and there, but it wasn't like a full-time thing. It was, I wanted to do it, but I had to work full-time. Yeah. So I did that all the way up until, I think it was 2013. Um, and I, just had to make some serious changes in my life with the job I was doing. Uh, my health was wasn't, wasn't great. Uh, what was the job? I was working in a nightclub. Oh, wow. Uh, so my hours were kind of crazy. <clears throat> yeah. Working in a nightclub, especially a rock nightclub, there's a lot of drinking and yeah, it just kind of took over my life. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. It hmm. just has to stop. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm leaving this job and I'm going to do my art full time. And I'm going to put everything I can into it. Um, I had a little bit of money kind of to one side and I just went for it. And wow. that's pretty much what I've been doing since 2013. Obviously, learning as I go on the way and I've had a couple of art studios, which were great to start with. And then they fell through um, because of the cost and stuff. If sales aren't mm -hmm. coming in, you can't afford to to pay right. studios and stuff um so now i just work it i literally work out my bedroom at the moment i set up a studio space that's what this is this is it's like my kids old kids old bedroom <laughs> yeah and it's it's comfortable i can get straight out of bed start working yeah that's a bit of a it's a curse and yeah a thing and a blessing you, you yeah and you're constantly seeing the work. It's like, oh, I can keep working for another five, six hours without yeah. getting any sleep. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's that's pretty much where I am. So the, the, the I've done gallery shows and stuff over the years, which have kind of been hit and miss. Um, mm. But it was always wanted to get my own, what I wanted to do into the into shows, which I was able to do on certain shows. And it was my work, but it, it always stood out against everybody else's because it was it was darker than what everyone else was doing. Right. Uh, what what, what it, places it, were you showing? Like what galleries? What what uh, kind of, what I kind was, of shows were they? Mo a, lot, a lot of it were in LA actually. There was like a Cactus <clears throat> Gallery, um, Cactus Gallery. I was working with a gallery in Portugal for a while, and I can never remember the name. Mm just recently changed but i mean they weren't were they weren't necessarily my point is they were dark they, art galleries they weren't dark art galleries so you're showing because no. your stuff really can that is another cool element that i didn't think about is because you have this because it's not overly um it's not overly dark it's not over the top freaky that yeah. you and it has traditional elements you could show your stuff in a traditional gallery easily and, and even though you're going to be on the darker side of things you're still not going to be doing like freaky monsters or anything so it can and it can exist fairly it easily could, in that it could, yeah it can kind of fit on that fine line between right. sort of the gallery scenes um 
It's cool though. That's great because it's, that, it's, that's how you sneak in dark art into the reg- <laughs> regular galleries. Sometimes you got to sneak it in like that. <laughs> yeah, I've done. Well, I used to do that with some of my other work, and it definitely stood out against everybody else. Right. <laughs> um, even though I taught, tried to tone it down, it still stood out. Right. Um, but actually, working with dark art galleries, I've not actually had the opportunity yet to work with any of the dark art galleries. Uh, really? Yeah. So like uh, dark emporium or. You haven't shown a dark art emporium or uh, I'm still, um, I I was at that point where I was like trying to thinking about going into Copro, but I didn't think I was at that point yet in in my sort of skill level or career that I'd get into somewhere like that. I think after the show, the show is probably going to be a good calling card for getting into other galleries. From what I've seen. Yeah. I mean, from what I've seen, the work looks good enough to show a Copro or dark art emporium for sure cool yeah well thanks for that um but like i said i'm working with dan at his gallery which is yeah that, that's killer yeah um and i love what dan's doing oh yeah he's amazing yeah. and his gallery's amazing he's kind of yeah. like uh just it's like he's just making it happen it doesn't exist there so he's making it exist there it, yeah and it's like and he's getting such such great um uh response from his community and everything it's really amazing that he's he's selling stuff there to people who live around there too which is so crazy yeah it's people are actually coming to the shows yeah yeah or local uh, yeah which is awesome and it's like i I know he's been doing it for a while but i mean it's it's like working with um with the dark outside doing the last show we did in october Mm -hmm. um it brought artists from like everywhere i know and there was so many pieces of work and just all those artists all in one place. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. amazing. Yeah, amazing seeing all these sold pieces too. He'd like show a yeah. picture. It's like, oh, this sold today. Oh, this, it was like, I couldn't believe it how much work he sold. It was amazing. Yeah, I, th- I, I think it's, uh, at the end of it, I think it was maybe just over half of the show. Yeah. That sold. Oh. I, know, I know there's more work that's been sold since, but. Yeah, I, be- I believe there was like eighty pieces of work. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, um, like f- selling forty pieces of art is insane for a show. Yeah. It, it's uh, yeah, it was it's really cool. What he's doing there is amazing, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm really happy to be working with him. Um, obviously, going over to do the show. You know, yeah, my first time in the states, and I'm going to be there at the show. Oh, cool, and stuff like that. And um, well, it's on the East Coast too, so you'll have less to tr- yeah, less. It's not like you're going to LA either, or it's like you less yeah. airplane time, right? Just just a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think I think the flight time in total is uh, I think it's about nine, eight, nine hours. Yeah, I'll be doing. So it's not it's not too bad. Uh, yeah, it's not terrible. It's not terrible, but if, like it would probably almost double that if I was flying to the West Coast, like LA, and stuff, right? So, and all the changes that you have to do. I'm only having to do one change with this one. I'll start right. doubling. And then I fly to uh, I fly to Boston and then driving up to Maine. Oh, cool! Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very excited for the trip, um, and then for the show. And I'm also doing a workshop while I'm there as well. Oh, uh, that's so right, workshop. Um, so which, cool, which is apparently sold out. So. All right, congrats, <laughs> man! That's great. Have you done that's, workshops before? I haven't done workshops for about twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I taught was about 20 years ago and I was then I was teaching 
um, like 15, 16 year olds. Oh, wow. A, I was like kind of a art support teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, for my uh, for my art teacher who got me into really got me into doing my artwork, um, she had a position opened and she said, "Come and teach, learn." And I did that for I think a couple of months. And I was like, "Yeah, I can't teach kids. This is a nightmare. <laughs> this is an absolute nightmare." Um, well, kids, it. Uh, uh... If they were motivated, if they were really into art, that would maybe be different. But that's a rough age, man. That's a rough age yeah, to, to teach. When, when just... you've got like, you've got a class of like say twenty five, thirty kids. Oh man, and may, um, oh, maybe and maybe two or three. Yeah, exactly. Are interested? Yeah, fifteen year olds. Are... No, forget it. No, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's hilarious. It was a nightmare. It was an absolute <laughs> nightmare to deal with that. So. I was like, yeah, I can't do it. And, and <laughs> while I was doing that, I had two other part-time jobs as well. Oh, and, wow. Um, I was getting ready, as I, I believe at the time, I was getting ready to go to university as well. So yeah. I had all that to deal with. And, <laughs> and these a lot, a lot, asshole kids don't want to learn art. Don't want to learn. And all, all the interesting drawing his dicks and boobs on the page yeah, right. and it's like come on <laughs> even though we probably did this exact same oh, yeah. thing when we were yeah. that age yeah uh, we would have been the, the we would have been the interested students though at least uh, yeah yeah to some degree um, to some degree <laughs> with it, we're, we're taking the aside the arrogance of thinking you know how to do things when you don't um right, but yeah, right. It's, so it's going to be an interesting thing um, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not going to be like strict on how I'm going to do the workshop. I'm going to keep it pretty free and open and just kind of show them what I do. And, if, mm-hmm. and hopefully they'll learn something from it. Cause I think I've got some pretty cool techniques where people can put it into their own work and try, you know, doing what I'm not saying, do what I do, but put Are those gonna... techniques into what they do. Right. Are you going to have like a thing where they set up, a still life and paint it or i'm going to set up still life and then uh, everyone can paint from that uh, they can have a paint from straight from the still life what we see i'm also going to photograph it beforehand um with all the lighting because it that when you oh, photograph right. it, it changes how the still life looks mm-hmm. um so i'm going to do that so they'll have like a print out of an actual photograph so they want to work from the photographs. I'm also going to put it on like a big screen as well so they can actually oh, see, cool. see the photograph and stuff like that. That sounds um, fun. Sounds like it's going to be fun. I hope so. I hope so. I'm going to turn into <laughs> some tyrant and just get flashbacks of <laughs> someone throwing a chalkboard <laughs> slapping my fingers with a ruler and stuff. I don't, I don't want to turn into that teacher. Yeah, right. <laughs> nah. It'll be a, a captive audience. I'm sure people will be into it. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. It's like if people, adults, they're paying for it. They want to learn. They're not going to want to learn. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting time while I'm there. Uh, What's the date of the show? The show opens up on Friday the 13th. Perfect. Um, yeah, perfect date for it to to open up, and I, I believe it's going to be open for a month. It'll be hung up for. Um, so standard sort of, sort of show time um i've so got that's... yeah so yeah it'll be open for a month so it'll open on friday the 13th 
I believe it's six till ten. Okay, and that's Skull and Snake. Skull and Snake Tattoo Studio Art Gallery in uh, Maine. In, in Maine, in uh, uh, North Berwick. North Berwick. North Berwick. North Berwick. I think I believe the address is 50, number fifty Elm Street. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it all ties in together. You've got the yeah, the right. Street and Friday the Thirteenth and Gothic Horror, and you're in Maine. It's, Perfect. It's Sounds all... cosmically lining, aligning. So, um, let's get into a little tech technical questions here. I'm just curious oh. about, like, how are you? What's your technique for um, doing, basically doing your still lifes? Are you doing it? Um, by eye, or are you tracing it and transferring it to the canvas? Or <clears throat> I, I, well, once I've got out all the props and everything, I set everything up, mm-hmm. um, and then I spend a day, two days photographing, changing things around, getting the composition right and the lighting so you tr- right. You, you improvise and play around, just try different things, and then decide what when you have the when you look at all the photos, you kind of pick. When them. I look at the photograph and I go, "Right, that's the one that works. That right. I'm happy with that piece." Um, and then I blow that piece up. Uh, I do put on the light box, do a quick sketch from there, and then I'll sit and I'll I'll render it down a little bit once I've got the because some of them are, are pretty big right. you know, when I when I when I draw them out. So then I I'll sit with the image on on my screen and I'll render a little bit more detail and then I'll you know from the rough sketch that I've done, um, and then I transfer that onto a panel using um, black transfer paper. Okay. And then from that point, just seal it. A bit of fix it in some mm-hmm. uh, matte medium, and then I'll stain the canvas with um, burnt sienna. So I, I kind of go then I start going to the traditional way of working. Right. Uh, so I do like a then I'd go and do a, a Grazile painting mm-hmm. for full rendering of the, the painting. Oh really? Uh, you go all, the, Grazile, all the way yeah, there? Full, oh, cool. All the way, full <clears throat> detail, everything. Uh, and then I go over that whole thing again in color. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I know. Yeah. I, I, I torture myself with it. So basically I'm doing two paintings. I like painting like that. I, I've, I, I, I've always enjoyed it. It feels like I like the idea of, I mean, I don't do it very often anymore, but I went through a phase where I was doing it. Like I had a show called, um, Hmm. Uh, I did it for the show called Faces of Death at uh, Last Rites Gallery, and I did it for a. Oh, no, it wasn't Faces of Death. It was called Endarkenment. I think it was at Last Rites Gallery. Like that, there's a painting I did called um, oh, Chronic Anxiety, where this guy's got a cigarette and he's holding these like, yep, I know bun- which one you're talking about. Bundle of yeah. nerves down here, and he's going yeah. like that. That was all Grisai, Grisale, however you say it. And um, I like it because it felt like it takes longer, but it felt like I was more in control a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's just so much easier to think about color as a separate thing from the value. You know, it's like, it's, it's, you know, in a sense, it's like, I kind of prefer working that way if I have more time. Um, I just, I, I love the idea of painting, painting in, uh, just the, you know, gray scale, black and white gray. And, and, um, I just really enjoy that. It's like drawing, 
you know it's like drawing yeah. it you know it's a it's a cool thing just because when you're just working in value and not thinking about color um because I I I well I don't do it in grayscale. I basically just use um, lead white and um, Van Dyke brown. That's okay. Why I used to do my Brazil. I've never um, I've never used Van Dyke brown. That's like a, it's like a, what it's like a raw. It's it's like a, what's it like? <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of a mix of um, burnt and raw umber. So okay. Really yeah, it's so really, really dark, dark. Right. Really dark. Like I I use. <laughs> um, Van Dyke Brown and um, French Ultramarine to make blacks up. Oh, okay. So yeah, a really nice, rich black with it. Uh, I also use tubes of black. I'm, I'm not going to be a complete purist and just. Yeah, I use black all the time. <laughs> yeah, if, 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 if blacks needed to I'll, work in there. I'll yeah, I'll do. It. I'll do. You know what? I'll, I've done a lot of times is I do black, and I let it dry, and then I glaze, um, like a whatever like an alizarin crimson or a yeah, fr french I, ultramarine or prussian blue or something and it just like it's kind of this, almost like mi mixing it together and painting it yeah, you know yeah well I, I i do that with my blacks as well i'll mix all the colors in, in with the black so i'll mix like alizarin crimson in there i'll mix a little with like prussian blue or mm -hmm. french ultramarine in there or some of like the um like the deep greens and stuff and mm -hmm. if it's needed so yeah I, and then then it's just spending whatever it takes me to do the full painting in, in the yeah. Brazil thing. And then it's like, okay, now go over the whole thing again <laughs> in color. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you got to paint the opaques back in too. It's, it's on, yeah. That's what, that took me so long to figure out because I would, I, in my early uh, paint, uh, value, reside paintings, it was like, I would do the glazing and I was like, it's just not enough there's something missing because i because i i don't know why i didn't i was learning it from a book but i just didn't put two and two together it's like it doesn't start to happen until you put the opaques the opaque highlights and stuff back in there and the opaque you know just you 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 paint opaque color where you, where it needs it basically where, it, where, you know? where, where it's definitely needed and one thing i've learned from doing this um these still lives is you don't always have to throw in really bright, vibrant colors for them to stand out. Right. Because once you've got, you put that, you can put a muted, say, red or green or something next to a dark area, and it instantly stands out. Right. It yeah, all, yeah. It, it becomes brighter just on its own because everything else is around it is dark. Yeah, yeah. And working with, like, candlelight and stuff as well, um, that's the brightest point on the piece. So everything right. else, you, you can you, you start creating these levels um in the piece of different light tones mm -hmm. um, with color uh, just just with color right so you don't have to brighten something up right right like with, yeah. with white you can do that brightness with color yeah and it's it's something that i've learned from this before it was like yeah just throw a lot of white in there that makes everything brighter right right um, <laughs> but, you, yeah. you know what you should try you should try if you have it where to go? I know I have. Uh, where is it? Here it is. Okay. Vasari. Have you tried Vasari raw umber? Sorry, no. The raw umber I've got is, is um, Michael Hardin's, I, I believe. 
this is the most i'm not sure what the pigment is because you know that you can look up all the pigments yeah uh uh this is natural brown earth is the pigment i don't know what number it is but man this gets the greatest for painting uh value paintings you kind of use it like a black yeah. Just like you're using the Van Dyke brown, and it, it is so I love it. It's like uh, it's the perfect to me. It's these it makes these amazing grays. It's it's unlike any other. I, I've I remember trying to find I, I had some of this, and then I was trying to find like a replacement because they're kind of expensive, and all the raw umbers I tried were different. I couldn't find anything like this. It's really different. So well, that's why I started using Van Dyke brown. Yeah, so. I'm curious if it's if it's similar. It's very similar. Looking at the tone of, of that tube, it looks very similar. Um, hmm. It's a, the that brand that music is very rich and it's very thick. Um, it's it feels like there's very little oil in it. Right. There's, there's just more uh, mineral in there than anything else, um, and it, it it goes down really nice. It, I'm gonna have to try that. I'm gonna I have to get some. I I I remember trying it way back when I was starting and I just didn't under, I didn't know how to use it what I would use it for so I, I never um never used it again but I should try it yeah. I'm curious because well, you'll have to send us a link um for that tube of paint and I'll uh, oh yeah I will I'll, uh, I think I'll have a look for it I think you have to order like a hundred dollars of worth of paint is why <laughs> that's the problem it's like oh, yeah. every order oh, has to be at least a oh. hundred bucks <laughs> hopefully after this show because i do have to buy yeah. some more materials um, hopefully i'll make a little bit of cash from this show and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look into it well you probably i'm sure you will from the from the workshop if nothing else <laughs> that's cool those can be lucrative yeah yeah um I, yeah but, i hope so yeah I, saw, I, I bet you'll sell some uh paintings too are you going to do prints of those paintings that's what i was yeah. originally getting to is like i think those paintings would really sell well to the horror community really people that are into horror movies and shit because it's like yeah. it's, it's kind of you know horror movies are so maligned and kind of looked down on as like these you know and a lot of them are cheesy and goofy but they're you know they're not respected in the same way that Oh, I mean, maybe that's not so true of the classic universal stuff, but, um, you know, horror fans would, I think, enjoy those pieces as, as prints because they kind of look, yeah. they look classy and, and, you know, they don't look, you could put it in your house if you're a fan and it's not like you're putting some goofy rubber monster up there, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which, Hey, I'm all about the goofy rubber I'm monsters. About, Believe yeah. me, I love that shit, but it's like a lot of people, their wife won't let them put that in the house. Put that shit up, yeah. <laughs> or their husband. I'm, or their I'm sure, partner. I'm sure maybe the Frankenstein piece might not go up in everyone's house. You've got a jar That's with true. a heart. That's a jar true. with a heart in it, a jar with um, some liver and kidneys in and a jar That's with true. in it. Even though the jar with the liver and kidneys doesn't look like liver and kidneys, it literally looks like it's, um, a stool sample. <laughs> um, which is really weird. And That's worse. That. It's worse. <laughs> So it's kind of like, why, why is Dr. Frankenstein got a skull sample? <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to get Frankenstein's colon, monster a colonoscopy. It's, it's, it's got to give him something, <laughs> you know. 
Does, does Frankenstein's monster eat anything? Just, so just wait a see. minute. Now that one piece, you're doing one for Dracula. Are you doing one for Dracula, or is that from another series? Because no, he, I've done I've done the Dracula piece. Yeah, that yeah, the Dracula that, piece I've done with, is a bigger. That's yeah. the biggest piece that I've done and with the hearts. Flawed. It's like got. Uh, yeah, there's a heart, and I, I actually made. Oh, there's two. Yeah, there's, there's two stakes two. and a heart, right? Yeah. So cool. The heart looks yeah. so amazing. It looks like uh, really the heart great. I got. I ordered it offline, and it can always be hit and miss because sometimes the photographs that they put online is not what you receive. Yeah, yeah. And literally, what I received was this bright red dog chew looking heart. Thing. Oh no! And I was like, okay, this will not work. <laughs> this is can I put this in? So I literally had to paint the whole thing to make it kind of look like a heart. Um, as much it's, I'm surprised because it yeah, looks well, totally real in the painting. Well, thank you. Um, but you know, I've got it here. The paint has come off for, on some parts of it, so that was the heart in the jar that I did. Uh, oh, that red, it came that red, that red. Oh my god, <laughs> and I was like, that's not what it looked like in the picture <laughs> when I ordered it. So I literally had to paint the whole thing, and it's come off with right. the solution, the water, and everything. and and yeah, it's, it's, it's gross looking. You know? <laughs> um, That's cool yeah, that you're able to paint cool. it though. Yeah, because we, well, the thing is, I was actually going to buy a, a real heart. I was going to go to the butchers and stuff and buy a heart. Um, but they're not allowed to sell them anymore. In oh, the really? Butchers. Um, there's a lot of like kind of the awful stuff. The only thing they're allowed to sell now is um, liver, and some still sell kidneys, but huh. it's weird. Because I used to buy hearts and use them on my paintings. Um, right. But I couldn't find one anywhere. So that's why I had to go for the... That's why, there's, there's, there's a couple of options of getting a heart. I either go out and do something really bad or I, I buy this plastic chew toy thing, looking heart. Because my, 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 my budget was... I could have got a really cool looking one, but they wanted a lot of money for it. Yeah, like, right. Uh, yeah, so it's one of those things, you know, bite the bullet make make something make sure it looks cool in the, in the in the photograph and you know with the lighting and stuff and i put yeah. like some fake, fake blood on it just to give it that sheen and stuff so it, right. it worked out i think it i think the painting that that i really enjoyed doing that painting because the color the colors that i did in that piece were again more color than i'd ever used in any piece um and it was interesting it was a different, completely new color palette. I've never done a color oh, palette really? like that. Um, so it was really cool. And yeah, I'm, like I said, I made, even the candles that I did, I spent hours um, melting candles to create it. So it looked like it had been burning for, oh, right. for ages. So I built all these extravagant candles all melted down each other. And, yeah, they look awesome. Um, so yeah, it was a fun fun piece to do was that. Um, and now I've just got candles everywhere work from doing this project i think that that dracula piece i had like 25 candles in that piece or something that's awesome so yeah you, that's the other cool thing is your studio just looks that much cooler after all your you know props the props it's just finding a space to put it all in um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's like my, my little curio cabinet shelving thing is just full of candles and skulls and yeah you're gonna you're gonna end up looking like this at some point where it's just that, 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 constant that's the, goal. that's the goal i just want i just want i just want the shelving everywhere full of skulls and candles and yeah um, 
Yeah. Loads of weird shit. Yeah. It's fun. You know what I was going to say about the, uh, you know, your parents being okay with you watching horror movies to go back to that. Um, Mm -hmm. There seems to be uh, a lot of that in America. uh, Parents having issues with that, at least, you know, from back in my era, 70s and 80s, especially the 80s. There was it was like a real not in my family, but other kids. It's like it was a religious thing. And it seems like there's less of a religious problem you guys in have UK, kind of in it, the uk you have less of a UK, yeah, it's less definitely not fundamentalism yes it's not there, there is obviously there's many religions in the uk but it's right. not like what it is in the states it yeah, doesn't it doesn't dominate everything i think there was a point in the 80s when the whole um, the video nasties the video nasties <laughs> and the satanic panic and all that yeah. crazy stuff it, it, it did kind of bleed into the uk a little bit Hmm. Um, but it wasn't to the extreme as what it was in the States. And then it's, you know, it's like in that time period as well, Halloween was starting to become a bigger thing um, because before the 80s, Halloween wasn't a big thing really. Oh, right. Yeah. That's uh, right. So the 80s and 90s, that's when it really started to take off um, in the UK. So that was like becoming more socially acceptable and, um, I think that definitely helps with a lot of things. Obviously, the parents have, the, have their own, letting the kids say, I oh, know you're not going to watch this, right. this film, but if you've got a TV in your room and with that, that in that time period, we only had four channels. And one of those, <laughs> cha- one, one of those channels is showing horror films and Twilight Zone and all crazy stuff late at night. If you've got a TV in your room, that's what you're waiting up for. To right. Watch. <laughs> <Do> you- <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just going to happen. It's going to happen. So, but my parents were pretty cool with the with me watching horror films and stuff like that. Um, That's cool. That's good to so, hear. Yeah, and it, it did mess me up too much. I don't think. Nah, nah, <laughs> nah. You made it work. So, uh, what were the? Uh, at what point did you realize you wanted to be an artist for your career? Uh, and what were the artists that you were inspired by and stuff? And who were you paying attention to? growing up and all that well when i was a kid i had two options that i want what i wanted to do i have a way to be an artist so that the art thing was always there mm-hmm. i always wanted to do that um i want to be a paleontologist that, I, I hear that there's a lot of artists you know there's a lot of makeup effects people that wanted to be paleontologists too it's strange yeah. I, I loved it because when i was really young sort of like um said five to ten sort of thing I was just drawing dinosaurs. Right. I was drawing dinosaurs. Yeah. And, you know, then, then that turned into like drawing all the stuff I was seeing in films and all the fantasy films and things. I was drawing all that crazy stuff. So mm. whatever I was watching, I was drawing it. Um, but I didn't really know the artist. I, did it, I, that, I, could, I saw the artwork, but I didn't know who did it. Right. Um, because you didn't have access to look for, for those things. And, and, art books and things in the uk there weren't there were traditional art books it was all traditional right stuff. right so you weren't seeing um art books about like fantasy art or um any sort of weird sort of artwork if you wanted to see books like that you had to really really look and find some obscure bookshop somewhere or maybe in a comic book shop and in, in my city we had one comic book shop and 
every now and then you got an art book in it. And the one art book that I got from there was probably in my early teens, early to mid teens, uh, was a Geiger book or Giga book. Mm-hmm. I see it. Um, and then I once I discovered Giga, so I loved Aliens. Aliens right. is one of my favorite films. Um, and then it was like, then I found out he was, he did all the creature designs and everything. I was like mind blown that I could. And then, and then I went down that road of trying to find all his work and everything. And I found out then that my art teacher actually had one of his books, but she couldn't show it. She wasn't allowed to show it. All right. <laughs> but she knew I was, you know, the, this kind of the weird kid and the weird artist in, in school. And she showed me and I was like, oh my God, I've got to get a copy of this book. I need to get a copy. Do you remember of this which book. one it was? It was a Necronomicon. I don't oh, wow. Yeah. It was, one of, it was like a really big table. Yeah. Yeah. Book, and it was I've like, got, so, I've got it that. Was so cool. And um, I had that and I, I saved up for it. And I, you know, I got that book. I believe I was about 15, 16 when I got that book. Um, and it was one of my prized possessions. Yeah. And then I lent it to somebody and it disappeared. And I, I, lent, I lent mine to somebody and they lent it to somebody. And that person, that somebody tore the cover off, but I got it back with the fucking cover ripped off. Yeah. Oh. I'm still devastated. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer. At least I got it yeah. back, but, but that's the, that's the cool thing. You know, you see the alien and you're like, it's amazing. And then you find Giger and then you see all of Giger's work other than my, the alien. My, and you're just like, Holy shit. The alien yeah. was like amazing and cool, but come on, like compared to all yeah. the other stuff he did, it was like, there is some great crazier stuff than, than yeah. that in there. You know, well, once I, once I discovered who he was, <clears throat> And the comic book store that I went to, they had all the posters and everything. And uh, I said, I basically said to him, can you get posters for artist prints and things like that? I'm like, yeah, well, if you tell us all you want, we'll see if we can get hold of them. So mm. then I was like kind of going through the like, artist store, I wanted to get posters. And I was like, right, I, need the, I need the Giga ones. And I, need, I want as many <laughs> as those as you can get. Uh, and then I had like uh, Roger and Martin Dean, Oh um, yeah, posters. Yeah. Um, That's a book I lost. My Roger Dean book, I loaned to yeah. somebody from the seventies. Wow, it was it was yeah. like I was like, you know, probably ten years old when I got it, late seventies, and then I loaned it to someone, didn't get it back. Yeah, that, I, I yeah, lending books and stuff like that. I'll, I've lost many do, doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there was a lot of like kind of. Like I'm not great with names of artists. If I see the work and someone goes, "Oh, yeah, that's a person's work," it's like I, I know it is. But it was like a lot of things like that. So a lot of fantasy artwork, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously Gaia came into my life, and I was like, okay. So my bedroom wall was uh, and the roof and everything. So it was just, <laughs> everyone, everyone puts like band posters up and yeah. stuff. And mine was just covered in these massive like A one. Um, huge kind of like movie poster right. size art pictures and just everything was covered with it <laughs> and so yes i think i think at one point i had um this massive like an a1 sort of size poster above my bed of a geiger piece and it was like you know it was just like a crazy thing you know right. people have like put footballers posters up or they'd have like a movie star or someone i've got this huge guy yeah piece yeah <laughs> above my bed on, on the roof and that's what i stared at at night to, you know i got sleep at so did you yeah. uh, did you ever try uh airbrushing i've only tried it once um that's again. what a lot of giger giger art 
artist Giger fans at some point try airbrushing after they discover Giger, you know, because yeah. I, I definitely did. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely tried it. Um, I was terrible at it. And it was one of those things of pure frustration. I'm never doing this again. Right. It was one of it was like when I first started doing oil, when I first was introduced to oil painting, same thing. Because before that, I was just doing a lot of pencil, color pencil and right. acrylic work and gouache and all that sort of stuff. And then I used oils. And I was like, no, this is too hard. Don't understand it. Never touch it again. <laughs> and it was like a couple more years later. And then I tried it again. I was like, no, not doing this again. And then I got into it. And I kept, that, that, that sort of kept happening. Every couple of years, I'd try it again. And it was like, and then I got on, started to work with it more and more. Um, and then I didn't go back. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, ne I never picked up any other uh, medium after Right. So, so I've yeah, pretty much it's... used oil paint since my early 20s. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's so, I just love it. I love it. I, you know, the dream would be an oil paint that you could hit with like some kind of laser gun or <laughs> some kind of magic ultraviolet gun and you could dry it if you wanted to. But then you could not dry it if you didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That would be the only way to improve oils, you know, but, I, yeah. but I'm so I'm I'm so used to the drawing time that it's it's like once you become used to the drawing time, you just change the way you paint a little bit. Well, yeah, it's like I, I still use liquid in my, in my if, if I know that I need to get work done, I'll put a little bit of liquid. Right. Uh, over the years, it's definitely got less and less and less. Same, yeah, same here. Uh, now it's just like a, maybe a little drop and I'll go, OK, I know maybe by tomorrow maybe by 48 hours that'll be touch dry and i can glaze over it i can work in a little bit um because i work kind of work in sections when i'm, when I'm doing a piece mm. um so i still use liquid i i know no if someone wants to use liquid they can use it they don't want to use it i know i know there's a big thing like don't use liquid it, it, it kills your work and stuff yeah but, I don't think that's true. I mean, my dad, um, I got paintings from my dad. He used liquid and, and they're great, you know, although I have been using um, no, no medium lately. <clears throat> and it, you're just doing it like a la prima. Just yeah. La prima. Yeah. For these, some of these studies. Um, I mean, I'll use, if I need to thin the paint out, I'll use a little terps maybe, or I'll use a little liquid maybe, but it's like when I, the way I taught myself, was liquid in everything That's you know i, I you know because yeah. it's like i have to have them dry the next day because my time is so limited because i'm working in effects and i and my you know my time frame of when i can paint is so narrow it has to be dry before i can go back to it so it was just like i got in the habit and i did that just for years and years and years i mean really up until a few years ago and now i'm i, I started using less and less and now I've, I'm using like, you know, like I said, just on these studies, just not really any. And because there's not, um, I don't need them to dry. And, I, and they're just studies that I'm, the a la prima studies for the, for the bigger paintings after. And, uh, and, I, and I do love, there's something I love about painting just with straight oils. There's like a different consistency when you are not thinning it down at all. You know, really yeah. different feeling there's like a, it's, it's hard to explain you know what i yeah, mean it's, it, it definitely moves across the canvas or panel or whatever it, mo it moves different it flows different yeah you know, and i've noticed that since 
I'm only using a small amount of liquid now. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like you, you said, it's like liquid has got to be in everything. Everything right, right. has got, <laughs> got to be in everything. And now it's kind of like, I just put it where it needs to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if, yeah, if yeah. it's going to take a little bit longer to dry, I can't have it. I can't be waiting for like a week, two weeks, right. six months for something to dry. It's got to be, you know, within yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, but if just that little kind of like dip on the, mm-hmm. on the brush and then, you know, just, that's about as much as I use now. Um, That's cool. Have so, you ever have you ever uh, tried lead white or white? That's why. That's why I use now. I oh, use okay. lead white. Um, before man, that stuff using, is amazing. I was only using titanium white um, for years, and then I got this um, lead white from Michael Harding, mm-hmm. and I haven't looked back. That's, I mean, that's the way that traditionally the best way they say you're supposed to paint the, the, the hardcore purists are like, no, no medium, no liquid and, um, lead white because lead white makes the strongest paint film out of all the paints. And usually you're mixing lead white in with most colors anyway, maybe not true with yours because you have, yours are so dark, but for like traditional paintings that aren't super dark <laughs> um <laughs> you, you know you're 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 using white as kind of like you're mixing it in with most of your colors so it, it kind of and it is a fast dryer too it's a, it just dry a lot faster yeah so it dries your paints faster it makes a stronger paint film and what i love about it when i first started using it was it was like uh just how how uh how weak it, it, it is, how weak it tints. It's so nice to, to not you need like a small, I know just to lighten it up. Amount, just, yeah. It's, I love it. That's what, when, once I did it, I was like, holy shit, I've been buying these big 200 mil, you know, mil tubes of titanium and going through them like crazy. Right. And then I'll buy this little 60, 70 mil tube and it's lasting a year. Wow, yeah. Because I'm only using like a tiny little amount of it in the work. Uh, right. Just when it's needed. But I'm also, when I'm doing that, I'm mixing up, say, like, I'm saying I want to make like a pale blue. So I'll use like a norm, like I'll have different mixes of those pale blues. And then I'll mix that pale, say, like blue and white mix, mixture together. I'll make that color up. And then I'll add that to another uh, mix of blue or straight blue to tint that blue so it's, right. it's it's not completely killing the color so right. it's already it's already mixed with blue it's already set to go and then i mix that with another blue and like straight straight out of the tube um so it doesn't kill the color it's not right. you know the desaturating it which was happening with titanium it just right. desaturates that's all the color yeah that's what's so cool about the uh, the the lead white is like you you, you can you can mix a lot into it without it overtaking the paint it's really weird it's really different it's really different than any other paint i've ever used it's just like i had to get over um the fear of it being lead for so long and then you know i think someone was like someone mentioned to me that cadmium colors were more toxic than lead white yeah, that's why I've always so I've always been told. Yeah, and so I was like, well, shit, I'm not afraid to use cad red and cad yellow. I have them on my palette, so I should be using lead white. But I'm like, still super for some <laughs> reason, you know, growing up because I grew up in a time when 
you know, kids were eating lead paint chips because houses from the sixties were, they were painting with yeah. lead, lead paint. And so it's like, I've got this fear <laughs> put into me about lead paint being like the, the most evil thing in the world. Um, well, I think if, if, you know, as long as you're not buttering your bread with this stuff. I yeah, I know. I know. I think know, that if you I, keep it, it like, I can't wear gloves when I paint. Same here. Um, I can't, I can't stand wearing gloves. So, um, so I just like, if you get it on my hands, I just try not to touch my face, which yeah. is hard. You've got a beard and stuff like that. You're constantly touching your face, but I just keep my hands clean. Yeah, as, exactly. As best as I yeah, can. Yeah. I'm, I'm very okay. conscious of paint getting on my hands, and I got these like uh, these scrub things, you know, that by my easel. These uh, these are the, these are the best scrubs in a bucket. Yeah, right. Yeah. So just kind of cleaning. Yeah. It's... So if I get any on me, I just wipe it right off. You know, if I'm still freaking out, paranoid about it, I'd go wash my hands. But <laughs> I know like Gabe, my friend Gabe Leonard, he paints, he wears gloves. And I asked him about it and he says he just cannot, he can't help getting paint on his hands. He get, it just, they get, some people just like, they paint messy and they get paint on their hands. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's easier. I, I understand that, but. I just had to wear gloves so much in, in the effects, I working bet, yeah. in effects, I mean, and it's like they're nasty and on your sweaty. And yeah. It's like, ugh, I don't want to do that. There's That's... a weird thing with gloves. It's like, I, when I, I, I did try for a while doing it, and I couldn't, because I couldn't feel the brush. I couldn't feel the oh, texture right. of the brush, and it felt rip. It was almost like my hands was losing grip, because it was like, it felt, right. it felt alien in my hands. Yeah, you just... I have to have that contact with the brush yeah. and I have to actually feel the material. Um, like wearing a condom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, For yes. painters. <laughs> it, it's exactly the same as wearing a condom. This, it's two completely different sensations. <laughs> one of them feels weird and wrong, the other one feels great. <laughs> Sorry, it's, I couldn't resist. No. <laughs> It's the best analogy. I, I didn't I didn't want to go down that road. You went there, but I completely agree. It is the exact same feeling. I mean, it's like with, with I don't know. To me, it's like painting is so fun. I don't I want it to be like uh as enjoyable as possible. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want the safety to get too too much in the in the in the way of how much fun it is you know what i mean and it's like gloves just for me are like it felt, a, it a bridge too sterile. far it's too sterile yeah as yeah. well you kind of get that clinical feeling of it um, but i mean i yeah right i know a lot of people that i know like sculptors i see sculptors using gloves and i'm like how can you sculpt with gloves because so much of it is the feeling of the clay on your fingers but yeah. you know whatever works for you is yeah it's, it's, it's all it's good the same things it's whatever works for you do you know um, I've been told off many times as well when I'm painting and even though I've cleaned the brush and I'm cleaning it in like, um, like turps and things and I see it's like losing its tip when I'm painting so I, I still put it in my mouth <laughs> I, still, <laughs> I still put it in my mouth and I'll shape it back out before I start painting again it's like that tastes funny <laughs> but I'll keep Oops. going and I've, and I've done it when there's paint on it um, oh my so god there's, there's occasions where I've, I've got a mouthful of paint and I'm, st I'm still going I'm sure later on down in my life it, it might affect me but right now I'm having too much fun with painting I, 
you know, I, I, I remember my, I, I've told the story for my dad going to see him when, you know, it, one day and it's like, he has, he had cadmium orange, orange paint on his fingers and I, cause he was painting. And I was like, you can't, that's so toxic. And he's like, that's eh, fine. <laughs> he didn't even give a shit. And it was like, you know, he, he, he died, he didn't die anything related to cadmium poisoning. You know, it's like, I, it's, you know, you know, I think it's like an abundance, an overabundance of caution, which is good. Um, but I think if you're not stupid about, it, like you said, if you're not buttering, buttering your bread with it and eating it, yeah. you're probably fine. You know, I think, I think the only time I would be a little bit more cautious with using the materials is if I was making my own paints. So using the oh, yeah, breathing, yeah, breathing, breathing it. it in I would, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's what, got, that's what got Turner and his dad. Um, yeah, that's what, he, that's what yeah. they were doing. There were piles of, like, you know, oh my god, can toxic you and just grinding it with no breathing stuff. Oh my god, it. yeah, like, that's terrible. It's everywhere. So that that'd be the only time I think if I was mixing my own paints up, I would have the mask on and oh, yeah. gloves on. It'd like full asthma asthmat suit with a ventilator. And, yeah, yeah. That's um, just another reason why not to mix your paints, your own paints. Though it's like, yeah, none of the old masters would be mixing them, and they used to have assistants mix their own paint. None of them wanted to mix their own paint; they had yeah. to mix their own paint because they couldn't go and buy it. <laughs> it was so goddamn expensive to buy it when it was already mixed. So, right. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think that's why we're, we're pretty lucky now. Even so, some paints are still pretty expensive to get, but yeah, you're getting decent quality um, with the paints. I've got. A, a variety of different tubes of paint so it's like not completely yeah, right. kind of anal about oh, i'm only going to use the top quality paint as long as it's i won't use student grade paints um but i'll use even if it's not costing me a hundred dollars a tube of paint i'm not interested i'm not bothered if it's not costing crazy yeah. money <clears throat> yeah, it yeah. does the job and it's it's going to work yeah. well it's funny too because like you know you you find certain brands and certain colors that just suit you better than like a higher quality paint of that same color. You know, I know that's like, uh, for me, it's like, I always get a certain type of this color. I always get a certain type of this color. And so it's, I, I don't know a lot of artists that use all the same brand. It's, it's, no. you know, it's not I've like, got, I've got, my main three brands are like <clears throat> Windsor and Newton, which mm -hmm, me too. a mix of, mix of all the Windsor and Newton sort of like, um, levels i've got all different levels because sometimes even the cheaper ones i'm not using it to do a massive thing it might just right. be to tint a little bit of color it's a little tiny thing and for me personally i can't spend 40 50 60 pound on a small tube of paint when i'm only using a tiny little, right. little yeah, thing yeah. of it it's it it doesn't make sense economically to, for me to do that but I've got other colors like the uh, like gambling or the uh, Michael Harding ones or the whole Dolland ones where mm -hmm. there's certain colors that they do, yeah, that are just that, that, that unique are far, to them, far superior, right? Um, so I just I find the colors and the brands that I like and I just I use it. I like, I'll experiment with some brands, uh, mm -hmm. certain colors from other brands, and it's like. I just I bought them as of work and they just sat there in a drawer. Right. Yeah, but exactly. I'm, I'm always I'm always someone like like you just recommended that that um, that brown. Yeah. I'll probably, and if once I've got the cash, I'll probably buy a tube and be like thanks, Chet. 
Yeah, you got to try it. That's the, that's one of those ones. It's like, that's the only brand that makes that kind of raw umber that I've found. And it's so great. It works so well for those that, uh, you know, cause normally when I, when I do the, uh, grisaille painting, it's like, I used to do black, white, and like yellow ochre or something brown, you know, because it's too cool. It's, it's like too bluish. Just yeah. black and white is just too cool. It's just, yeah, it's too cold. Yeah. So, um, uh, so instead of using black, I just use that stuff and it's like, it's the perfect color for, for an underpainting, I think. But, um, well, that, it's, just, it's like I said, I, I only use Van Dyke Brown. And yeah, yeah. 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 I, so yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to get Van Dyke Brown. What brand should I get of Van Dyke Brown? Right. Well, and you uh, can get some Vasari raw umber. I will get some Vasari. So the Van Dyke Brown that I've got is Old Holland. Okay. Old Holland Van Dyke Brown. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's probably the most used color that I, I go through. Um, hmm. But it, it still, it still lasts quite a while. Um, like they're only the small tubes that I get, but a small tube, depending on how much, work, how much work I'm putting out can last me maybe six months to a year. So, oh, okay. Uh, cool. But normally, normally I, I have a, a spare tube just in case because I don't want to be running out. Um, right. Because I mix it in with everything, even when I'm like wanting to knock a tone down on a color. Mm. People use like burnt umber and raw, uh, raw umber and stuff like that just to knock a color down. I'll use a little bit of that Van Dyke Brown, just a small amount of it. I'll just take that saturation and brightness down just a little bit. Mm. Um, Okay, I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some right after we get off. I'm gonna I'm gonna order some online. <laughs> now I'm intrigued. I it's like when I first I have so many paints that it's like I and I use you know one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I use like 10 colors a lot, 10 or less. And uh and I've got like that's one thing when you start painting, you like think, oh, I got to get this color. I got to get this color. Oh, it seems like a cool color. And then you realize most of them you can mix yourself from yeah. like the basics and they end up looking better too when you mix them yourself. I think it, I, I, I bought, I remember I bought uh, this ba- like a bag, like this, this big, like, like a shopping bag that some guy I found on Facebook he worked at an art store at like a Blix, Dick Blick, which is like this big kind of corporate art store yeah. out here. And um, he used to steal them. <laughs> I didn't know the guy, but he was offering them for sale. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good deal. It's like a couple hundred bucks for all these oil paints. And I was like, yeah. And then he just like he, I was like, he's like, I'm in the area. I'll bring them over to you. And then he brought him over. He's like, yeah, I, 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 I work at Dick Blick and I steal them. <laughs> I was like, okay. But they're all like nasty and covered in linseed oil and stuff. But, but I got all these weird colors that I'll never use because of that. Um, too many, too many colors. I really should just like pare down my, I don't buy, I don't buy crazy colors anymore though. Cause I just don't use them. Yeah. I kind of, I have a certain, like you said, I've probably got maybe 10 colors, primary colors that I use. Mm. Some of them are a little bit weird. But then from those, I then I mix everything else up from it. So yeah, yeah. it's it kind of works. And I'm able to mix pretty much uh, most of the colors that I'm getting in the photographs up just from a basic 
uh, basic palette. Some of them yeah. are a little bit harder to mix up. Like I'm, I still struggle with greens. Yeah, greens That's are one of, greens, greens are a bitch. Difficult one to, for me to use because it's just a color that I'm just not used to using. You ever see that uh, um, Robert Williams painting "Fear Fear of Green"? No, it's like it's like an artist. And he's and he's sitting at a canvas, like painting a, a still life, and a giant green paint bucket with a monster face is like coming at, coming out to get him, and he's all like going ah. Because <laughs> I guess it's like a common thing of artists not liking yeah. green. <laughs> it's, it, it's it's one of those colors that I don't use it. I that always, much is the thing. Yeah, I always make it to have a too bright, no matter how much. And he's like, I, I know I've got, I can see this green, and it's kind of like that dirty dark muted right. green but when i try to get it, it it either turns to mud or it's too bright right so I, can't, I can't get that ground like that middle ground yeah I, I usually do like yellow yellow and black yellow ochre and, and black and a little bit of blue or um cadmium yellow and black yeah. or cadmium well, that's, lemon that's, and that's black. what i've been working with yeah I've been kind of expect, but with this these new paintings I've been doing, there's a green in there that I had to do because I made this little, uh, almost like poison or cure bottle for the Jacqueline Hyde. Uh, oh, cool! Piece. So it's the green was like insane um, when I had the light shining through it. So it's almost oh, yeah. like almost like absinthe kind of yeah. sort of color. But when yeah. you shine the light through it, it kind of gets crazy glow. Right. Uh, I was like, how the hell am I going to paint this color? And... <laughs> it's out there. Yeah. That's somewhere. It's, yeah. He's got to figure it out. That's the thing. So a lot of, a lot of learning has been done with this uh, new series of work. Um, I've just got to pull that into the next piece that I'm doing, which has already been planned in my head. And so, so as soon as I get back, I'll be starting um, another big piece. I'm going to go big on the next one. I've been working small for the last six months. I want to, I want to do a really big piece. Yeah. Yeah. Big is, is I'm the, actually my show is I'm doing small pieces. I'm doing a small show at Copro at October and I'm doing like 11 by 14s and 16 by 20s just cause I don't, I just wanted to do a small show cause that last one just about killed me. So yeah, you were doing no, a lot of work for that last one. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible ridiculous so well um yeah let's uh, i guess it's time to wrap it up um yeah thanks for coming on the show um so uh where can people well aside from skull and snake tattoo in maine dan kelly your show's friday the 13th solo show if you're in the area you should definitely go there in person and check it out dan i'm sure we'll be posting online as well um and where can people find you online? I'll put it in the in the description yeah, too. But... So uh, Instagram, I was pretty sure it's a uh, uh, M Darkside Art One is Instagram. M Darkside Art One. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or if you just look for uh, Martin Darkside, um, yeah, it'll, it'll pop up. You'll see it. Uh, I thought, God, I'm so bad at this. Um, I do have a website. Yeah. See I, never remember, I, never, I never remember my social media stuff. Um, I'm, I'm rubbish at now. I should have brought, I was supposed to write it all down. Um, I am having a new website built and it should be up and running um, before the show, hopefully. Um, I've got a 
friend who's doing that for me. It's amazing what, what, what the friends recently, what they've done for me just to get me over to this show has been amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, awesome. that'll be uh, martindarkside.com. Um, it's not up live yet, but it, hopefully it will be in the next week or so. Um, and that, uh, that'll have all my links on there. Oh, cool. Uh, so on, on my Instagram, the mdarkside art one, there's links for all my social media, other social media. Facebook's kind of died off uh, at right. the moment. Um, my Patreon's on there as well. And um, oh, my cool. print store and stuff. So Excellent. Yeah. Well, great, man. It was so much fun talking to you. Really yeah, it's been great. It. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a bit more free-flowing. And uh, yeah, it's been good. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that you had me on. It's uh, It's been cool. My pleasure. So don't hang up, but you do have to say goodbye, audience. Goodbye, audience. And I'll see you all on Friday the 13th.